It's wonderful to see all of you today. Um, we're going to be in several different places uh, today, so you you're, should have a handout for you with the scriptures in which we are going to be in. Some of the scriptures are pretty lengthy, so I'm, we may just paraphrase some of those, and we'll see how which ones the Holy Spirit has us, has us read as we go over um, the topic of Peter today. Uh, I do just real quickly want to give you a heads up of kind of what it's going to look like the next couple weeks. Um, next week we do have our cookout. But Pastor uh, Brandon Nutter, missionary to, with Envision to the Dominican Republic, will be here with us next Sunday. So he'll be sharing in the service next Sunday as well in Sunday school. So if you don't normally come to Sunday school, this may be a good Sunday to come um, and listen. You get a little bit more in-depth and you get a chance to ask questions about what's happening in, with Envision in the Dominican Republic. Um, so that'll be next Sunday. And then, like I said, he'll be here in the service with us. And then he'll be at the cookout with us and you can ask him more questions um, he's a missionary that the young adults have um, gone through three years now. We've gone to the Dominican Republic with Envision. Um, so he's coming to us this year. Um, and um, so we look forward to what God's going to teach us through him and our time that we're going to have um, with him. As well, we've had a lot of high school graduations this weekend. I know some graduated yesterday. There's some graduations taking place, I think, even now. And then there's some more the rest of the day. Um, so we want to make sure that you say congratulations to our graduates and we'll um, celebrate them next Sunday as well while Brandon is here. Um, so congratulations to our high school graduates. And then as well, um, we have over the last eight, we eight weeks, I'm sorry, asked you guys to give towards the envelope fundraiser. Um, and you guys have done an awesome job with that. And so today someone gave the last little bit that we needed. Um, so first of all, first of all, very thankful for all of you guys that gave. And in a matter of eight weeks, I think you gave it ends up being around $3,200 that you guys gave to send the teenagers to live conference. Um, and the good part about that is that it meets all the needs that they have. It's going to help them be able to buy the food and transportation, all of that, and then probably even have some left over to get started on whatever they're going to be doing next year. So we are thankful for that. You guys are generous people, and you love the Lord, most importantly, but you also love uh, our children and our youth ministries around here at the church. But that also means that I have to shave. Um, so we will do that June the 2nd, so Sunday, June the 2nd, um, we will we'll do that after service in the 180 building. I'm, I'm actually quite terrified. I don't, I don't, I have no idea what to expect. So it's, it's been about 10 years since I've not had any hair upon my face, so this could be, I'm afraid that Autumn isn't going to want anything to do with me. Because all she's ever known is a beard, so who knows what this is going to look like. But the, the main thing is, I will do that, and it'll grow back, hopefully. Um, but the main thing is, I'm thankful for you guys that give, and I know I speak on behalf of Logan, our youth pastor here, that we are thankful for, for you guys giving to our teenagers and really giving to anything that we ask of you. You guys just trust and, and trust the Lord, and you give. And so we are thankful for that. But today we're going to talk about Peter. Now, over the last three weeks, we've talked about people that have had direct interactions with Jesus, and specifically those who've had interactions with Jesus at the crucifixion or either the resurrection. Coming off of Easter, and we talk about the importance of the resurrection, I think it would be important for us to look at some of the people and realize these are actual people and these are actual events that these things happen to. And so the first week we looked at Nicodemus. There's very little mentioned about Nicodemus in the Bible. Um, then we looked at Thomas. There's very little mentioned about Thomas in the Bible, but we talked about those last week. We talked about Mary Magdalene and the relationship that she had with Jesus, and she was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. And even among those three people, 
There's not really a whole lot talked about within Scripture about those three people, but today's person is the complete opposite of that. Now, Peter has so much written about him within the New Testament. I told Tim the hardest part about getting ready for this week was figuring out what exactly to talk about with Peter because there's so much to talk about. There's so many different stories, um, scriptures about him. He has two um, books in the New Testament that he wrote, First and Second Peter, but all throughout the Gospels he's mentioned. And a lot of it is just because he's one of the ones that was going to speak up. If there was ever a question asked, Jesus was trying to get him to answer a question, he was the one that was going to speak up. And so we know Peter because he was an outspoken person, but we also know Peter because a lot of times he put his foot in his mouth. That he just said what he thought. And how many of you are like that? If you think it, you're just going to say it, right? Take note of those people, okay? We all probably have those moments in our lives that we just like, you say it and you're like, whew, I wish I would not have said that. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for that, all right? Maybe it's been with your spouse. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's your students. You've, you've said it at school. We've had those moments. Peter had several of those moments in life in which he did that. And I think one of the awesome things about Peter is I think it's, he's so relatable to us, which is why I think we like Peter so much, is that for myself, I look at Peter and I read Peter's story. I see so much of myself in him. I feel like in these moments, I would have been the guy that would have been trying to impress Jesus and speaking up and answering all these questions, when a lot of times I was talking and about things I didn't really fully understand or know about. But yet, even within all of this, I think the main thing to look at with Peter is it is a story of grace, that no matter how many times he messed up, no matter what he did, no matter how many times he spoke and put his foot in his mouth, Jesus loved him. And Jesus was in this process of taking and molding a man who was going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And it's the same thing he's doing for all of us. Our entire stories, our entire lives are God molding all of those things into us being who he wants us to be. That he can take my failures, he can take my mess-ups, he can take my bonehead moments, and he can mold them into things that he can use for his glory. And that is good news to think about, that God can take all of that stuff and use it for his kingdom. So what I want to do, if you, if you looked in your handout, you probably noticed our points are specifically phrases that Jesus used here. So they're in red, red for you because Jesus spoke. And only in our Bibles in red letters. So you're going to look at the points, and they're going to be actual phrases that Jesus used about Peter. And so what I want us to do is I want us to just as quickly as possible and as well as possible take like a brief look at the life of Peter, and ultimately where we're going to end up is him in the book of Acts. All right, so the Peter that we're going to read about in Luke chapter 5 and then the Peter that we're going to read about in Acts chapter 4 are going to be completely different Peters. And the reason for that is, is because God was working on Peter in Luke chapter 5 in order to make him the man that he wanted him to be in Acts chapter 4. And even though he was where God wanted him to be at that time in Acts chapter 4, Peter still had so much to learn. Right? So even as we go through this and we think about these things about Peter, we look at some of these scriptures, don't think just because we, we read about Peter in Acts chapter 4 that he'd gotten it completely nailed. Right? What we do know is that there was still so much for Peter to learn throughout his entire life. And this is the same thing for us. Every single one of us has so much to learn. Throughout our entire lives, we're going to constantly, hopefully, constantly be learning more about Jesus and more about who he is and more about what he's doing, right? So Luke chapter 5, the first thing Jesus is going to tell him here, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Luke chapter 5, you want to turn there to Luke chapter 5, 
We're going to read verses 1 through 11. I know for sure, like I said, we may not read some of the rest of these, but we're going to read um, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And for time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and start um, reading this. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen who had gone out of them were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, <clears throat> we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled their boats, and so they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, <coughs> excuse me, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And Simon, so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been struggling with a cold all weekend, so just bear with me with that. My kids have been sick, so if your kids are sick, that means that you are just going to get sick as a byproduct of that. So he says that I will make you fishers of men. This is really one of the first times that we see Peter um, in the Gospels in which um, Jesus is interacting with him. And what he does here is Jesus, um, Peter is a fisherman. His trade is being a fisherman. Appreciate that. His trade is being a fisherman. So his, his responsibility is to catch fish. And so now Jesus tells him, from now on, here's what your responsibility is going to be. You are going to be in charge of catching men. In Mark chapter 1, he phrases it, I think, a little bit better and easier to understand. It says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. I think the interesting thing there for us to look at and think about when it comes to Peter and the call that God had placed on his life he gives them a prerequisite here. He says, if you will do this, I will do this. And the same thing for all of us is that Jesus is telling us, if you'll do this, I will do this. So basically what Jesus has done is Jesus has made all of us a promise. He says that I will make all of you fishers of men. I will make all of you, your responsibility is now going to be to catch people for the kingdom of God. I will make you do all of those things. All of us have that capability in Jesus Christ, to make fishers, to be fishers of men, to make disciples for his kingdom and for his glory. But Jesus says, you have to do this first in order for me to make you fishers of men. What does he say? Follow me. If you, Peter, if you, Sam, if you, Christian, if you will follow me, here's what I will do through you. So where is the opportunity for this to really mess up? In, in our place, right? If we decide not to follow, 
with our lives. If we decide not to follow on a daily basis, then we don't make, we're not fishers of men. We're not making the disciples in which Jesus has called us to make. So if I follow Jesus, Jesus will take my life and make me fishers of men. So one of the best ways, I think, for us to understand, am I following Jesus? Am I walking with Jesus? Are you making disciples? Are you making disciples? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are people seeing Jesus in your life? Are you sharing the love of Christ with people? I think that is the number one sign for all of us to know whether or not I'm following Jesus. If I'm following Jesus, I'm going to tell other people about Jesus. And this is what he's telling Peter here. He's like, I don't know what all you've been doing, what all you want to do, but here's what my call for your life is. And this is a call that God has for all of our lives, is to make us fishers of men. So no matter what your responsibility is, maybe within the church, your ultimate responsibility within that ministry is to make fishers of men, to tell people about Jesus, to share the love of Christ with people. And this is what he's preparing Peter for. He says, you've been a fisherman your entire life. I know you understand this. I get your language that you're going to use when it comes to being a fisherman, but I now want you to understand that I want you to be fishers of men. As I think about this, as I think about the life of Peter, I'm fully aware that God can take flawed, imperfect people and use them for his kingdom. I know that he can. But here's one thing that as I read through the life of Peter and as I've studied in the scripture, here's one thing that I believe Jesus will not do. Jesus will not use people that refuse to be obedient to his call. So there's a different between, difference between an imperfect person who is working through these things, trying to be more like Jesus, understanding their mistakes, than a person who just refuses to flat out be obedient to the call that God has placed on their lives. Peter wasn't perfect by any means, and he was never going to be perfect, and he understood that. But what did he do? He says, Lord, at your word, I'll let the nets down. I don't fully understand it. I don't know necessarily what the outcome of all this is going to be. Lord, we've been fishing all night. This is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. But, Lord, I believe and I will obey. This is really what Jesus wants from all of us is obedience to the call that he's placed on our lives. He understands that we're not perfect people. He doesn't expect us to be perfect people. He understands that we are flawed people, that we're going to make mistakes. He understands all those things, and he can use all those things for his glory. But for someone to just flat out say, I will not obey, Lord. And so how do we know whether or not we are obeying what God has called us to do in our lives? Simple things like this. It's, it's real easy. Are you reading the word? Like th that's a really good place to start. If you're like, I haven't picked up the Bible in a very long time, then more than likely you're just not obeying the things that God has placed on your life or called you to do, probably because you don't know it, because it's going to come from the Word. Are you spending time in prayer? And because of those things, because of studying the Scriptures, because of spending time in prayer, are you therefore now going and telling people about the love of Christ? If those three things aren't evident in your life, then there isn't obedience that's taking place in your life. And more than likely, because the obedience isn't taking place in your life, you're not being used by God for God's kingdom. I think it's as simple as that. But I think that if we will do those things, if we will be in the word, if we will spend time in prayer, if we will go and we will serve and we will tell people about his kingdom, God will use us and he will make us fishers of men. And we will see people saved because of our obedience. 
because we've just decided to do the things that Jesus has told us to do. Because we've obeyed. The next encounter that we see Jesus has, that we're going to read about, Jesus says to him, on this rock, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20 here, we see Jesus asking the disciples a good question. He says, hey, you guys have been spending all this time with these people out in, in these villages and these cities and these towns in which we've been traveling to and going to. Who do the, who do the people say that I am? Who's the majority of people? What do they say about me? And he's like, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. But that's ultimately what not Jesus was, was wanting to get at. He looks at the disciples here and he says, well, who do you guys say that I am? And lo and behold, who's going to speak up here? Peter is. Peter's going to speak up. Simon Peter replied in verse 16, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And in verse 18, it says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is really good news. He, he tells Peter this, he's like, people like you are going to be the rocks that keep this church going. People like you who confess to the world around them that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He is God, He is the way, the truth, and the life, that salvation is found in no one else but Him. People like you are the rocks of the church, as Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He's not telling Peter that you are going to be these things or you're going to be the first pope or any of that stuff. What he's telling him is like, I can take people with hearts like you and use you for the kingdom of God. And I will build my church upon people like you who confess not only to your brothers here, but to the world around them that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Is that the confession of your heart and of your mouth? Is that what you not only believe, but is that also what you confess to those who are around you, that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Those are the people Jesus is saying here that I will build my church upon. Those people will be effective for the kingdom of God. Those people will see results. Those people will see people saved and added to the kingdom. Those people who make that confession with their hearts. And here's what he says about that church and those people. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You cannot stop people like that. You cannot stop a church like that. You cannot stop a church that confesses that Jesus is who he says he is and does the thing that Jesus calls us to do. You cannot stop a church like that. You just can't do it. So Peter makes this amazing confession that you are Jesus, the son of the living God. But if we keep reading along in Matthew 16, this is one of those moments where Peter just really puts his foot in his mouth. And like the same chapter Peter is confessing Jesus to be the son of the living God. But here's what he does in verse 21 through 23. It says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, could you imagine taking the guy you've just confessed to be the son of the living God to the side 
and starting to rebuke him. Basically, it means like he told him what he thought was in his mind and on his heart, that he had no business doing the things that he just confessed that he was going to do. Right? And Jesus tells him this, or Peter said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Verse 23 says, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And this is, this is why I can relate so well to Peter, because in the same chapter, he's confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. And then just a few verses later, Peter's saying, get behind me, Satan. Because you're trying to stop the very thing that God's told me to do. You're trying to thwart the obedience of Jesus to the Father. And ultimately, what was Peter doing? He was more concerned with man things. He was more concerned with the things of the world because Peter had a plan. Peter thought, this is the way this is going to take place. This is the way that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. I want Jesus to look like this. I want him to do this. I want him to talk like this. I want him to act like this. I want him to go to this place. Here's how I want him to save the world. Have we ever done that with Jesus? Jesus, I want you to do these things. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me because you're trying to stop the plans of God. Like I've done that in my life because you just said, I don't believe that this is what we should be doing, Jesus. I just don't believe this is what I should be doing. The next encounter we see, or that we're going to read about with Peter is in Matthew 26. Jesus is going to tell Peter a very difficult truth here. He's basically going to tell him this. He says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Not, not only you, Peter. All of you guys, when I'm being crucified, all of you are going to leave. You're going to flee. You're going to run like cowards. All right, you're going to give up hope. You're going to run. But Peter's the one who speaks up and says, you know what, Jesus? I don't care what the rest of those guys do. I'll never fail you. I'll never run away. I'll always stay true and faithful to you. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you of all of these guys are going to be the very one that will deny me three times before people. So we, we got this guy who tries to stop the plan of God. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then we've got this guy who will deny Jesus three times, right? And there are other stories about Peter that we could have read about that show his faults. Matthew chapter 14, right? Jesus is walking on water. Who gets out of the boat? Peter gets out of the boat, right? And what does Peter do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts to sink. Peter had plenty of faults. Peter made plenty of mistakes. Peter was going to mess up. But what did God do with Peter? He took all of those things that Peter had done wrong. He took all the mistakes that Peter had made. He took a man who put his foot in his mouth. He took a man who spoke up too often probably when he shouldn't. He took a man who tried to stop the plan of God. He took a man who denied him three times. And he used him for his kingdom and for his glory. It's awesome to read a story like this because it gives hope for all of us. Really, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've said, no matter what we've done to Jesus or to other people, no matter what we've said about Jesus or other people, 
Jesus can still redeem us and Jesus can still use us for his kingdom. And he can still make us fishers of men. Scott used a phrase in Sunday school this morning. He says, a long time from learning to applying. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, that's Peter. That's Peter. It took him about three years before he finally got this. When Jesus called him and said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. It took him about three years for him to get to the point where he finally understood all of that. And, and here's how I know this. In John chapter 21, this is after the resurrection had taken place. Jesus had already had one interaction with Peter, but this is the most detailed interaction that we have in the scriptures that Jesus has with Peter. He basically gives him three opportunities to confess his love for Jesus. And Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. Basically a redemption here of, I know you've denied me three times, now you have an opportunity to confess three times that you love me, not only to me, but to these people around you, to your brothers, that they will know this. And I want you to do that because I, I need you, Peter, to be strong. I need you to be focused. I need the guilt and the grief to go away because I, I need to use you for the kingdom. I have an amazing mission ahead for you. But here's, here's what Jesus tells Peter in John 21, verse 19. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. He said to him, follow me. He gets him right back to where he had him in Luke chapter 5. When he laid out this plan of I will make you fishers of men, but he says, here's what you got to do first. You got to follow me. And one of the last interactions that we know Jesus had with Peter, what's he telling him? Follow me. If you will just follow me, all the rest of this stuff that you're worried about will take care of itself. Because even after Jesus reveals this to Peter to follow me, Peter's response in verse 22 was, Jesus said to him, or, or Peter had just been revealed, basically, you're going to die for the kingdom. And so Peter's response when he, when he hears that is, what's going to happen to John? So even after Jesus had told him, if you'll just follow me, Peter's response, he still hadn't fully gotten it yet, was he was too busy worried about someone else. He was too busy worried about John. And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You, Peter, stop worrying about other people. You stop worrying about what this person's doing or what this person's going to do, what this person isn't going to do, what you think this person should be doing. You just follow me. You do the thing that I've called you to do, Peter. So I, I think that as I read through all of this stuff about Peter, I, I'm challenged with these thoughts here for, for myself. Is that I need to focus on Jesus. I need to focus on Jesus more and more every single day. I don't need to be afraid to make mistakes. I don't, I don't need to be afraid to put my foot in my mouth maybe, right? I know some that we live our lives so conservatively when it comes to the kingdom of God. We won't do things because we are just quite honestly afraid to mess up. And we're afraid to make mistakes. Jesus isn't afraid of any of those things. Go out and do the things that God's told you to do. But the key within all of this is no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, is that you are to follow Jesus. For, for some of you, 
You need to keep your eyes on Jesus and not someone else. Stop worrying about what someone else is doing. Stop worrying about what someone else is going to say. Stop worrying about what someone else isn't doing. And you focus on Jesus. And you follow him. Now, if we as Christians will do that, if every single one of us just in this room will make the decision, you know what, I don't fully necessarily understand all this. I know I'm not perfect. I'm a flawed individual, and that's okay. If we'll just all make the decision that we want to follow Jesus, we'll not only see our lives changed, but we'll see the world changed around us. Because here's what happens in Acts chapter 4. We're going to see this same Peter, but now he's different. This same man, but now he's a little bit different. And here's what we read about him in Acts chapter 4. I think Acts chapter 4 may be one of the best chapters in all of Scripture. We're not going to give it justice this morning in our time, so I I encourage you to go home and and read Acts chapter 4. In verse 13 it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. Look at what happens when an individual decides to follow Jesus and to focus on Jesus and to answer the call that Jesus has on their lives. This is a completely different man that we're reading about from Luke chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 16, right? And even Matthew chapter 20. This is a different man, isn't it? What's made the difference? What's made the difference? He made this decision to follow Jesus. And when he made this decision to follow Jesus, who came in? The Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit came in, and this could be its own separate time, I promise you. The Holy Spirit came in and transformed this guy and used him for his kingdom. So that when the, the, the religious leaders that they were standing before, the council that they were standing before at this time, all they had to do was look at Peter and realize, this guy is not the same guy that we knew before. This guy's been with Jesus. There's something different about him. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 19 through 21, it says, But Peter and John answer them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Man, look what God can do God took someone who just a little couple weeks ago, probably this time, was denying Jesus three times before these people. To now a man who stands up before him and says, listen, I don't care what you do, what you say, no matter what you do to me or the rest of my brothers here, I will not shut up. I will continue to preach the message of Jesus. And if that means you take my life away from me, so be it. That's the boldness that we all need. That's the courage that we all need. The example for Peter is us, is for us is this. He can take flawed, imperfect people and use them for his kingdom. All we have to do is obey. If we will just make the decision to obey and follow Jesus, he will use us for his kingdom. He will use us for his glory. And we will see people saved for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to listen to your word, to invest in your word, to spend time in it. Thank you for teaching us today. God, thank you for for using 
this morning to be a blessing to us. God, thank you for our musicians who've led us in worship. That we've been able to lift up our voices to you. God, we thank you for our time to look into the word. God, thank you for the wisdom that you've given. God, I just ask that as we leave this place, that people would be able to recognize that we've been with Jesus. For many of us, we're going to go to our homes. We're going to see different people maybe. For some of us, we're going to go eat lunch at different places. I pray that the waitress, I pray that all of these people that we interact with, they'd be able to tell these people have been with Jesus. God, that should be the call of our lives, to look more like you, to act more like you, to talk more like you every single day. May we be obedient. May we be your followers. May we give you glory in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.